You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Kevin Cook, and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 81 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined this week by Jeremy Paxton. Uh, so it's the Baylor crew coming at you for episode 81. Kevin Cook is out this week. Uh, he's feeling a little under the weather, but it's got to kind of suck when you're under the weather. And it's what, 85 degrees in February? I mean, is this Texas? Is this real life? Yeah, no, it's the old saying goes, if you don't like the weather in Houston, wait 15 minutes and it'll change. It is absolutely disgusting outside, which is why I've been indoors all weekend and do not plan to leave. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's been a beautiful weekend here uh, in the Lone Star State, but uh, what we're going to do on this episode is we actually don't have a guest with us. Uh, and if, if you would, you know, we'll mention it right off the top, but Astros Pitchers and Catchers uh, report uh, this week in Florida. And uh, pitchers actually report on uh, Wednesday, I believe, and position players report on February 17th. The first full team workout is February 18th for the Astros. So I couldn't be more excited, more happy uh, that baseball season is actually here. But if you want to kind of get a preview of the 2017 Astros, kind of recommend that you go back and listen to episode 80. We had Jake Kaplan, who is the beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle here in studio, uh, kind of breaking all things down from the... uh, uh, Chris Correa scandal with the uh, you know the hacking that went on with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Houston Astros and uh, previewing the 2017 season, even discussing a little bit of World Baseball Classic, which is coming up here in just a few weeks. But uh, Jeremy, let's get things started with college basketball. Uh, our Baylor Bears are absolutely rolling right now. Uh, you know they they knocked off TCU on Saturday with a final score of 70 to 52. Uh, in quite dominating fashion, improved to 22 and three on the season, nine and three in the Big 12. So they still have a, uh, I guess, an outside shot to knock off Kansas for that Big 12 crown. But uh, while I'm not sure that the Bears are going to get that Big 12 title, you've got to be impressed with the job Scott Drew is doing this year. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, they've had a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, obviously, that last loss to Kansas State was real hard. Um, but uh, watching the Bears play yesterday, I mean, just a lot of um, a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of ability from this team that, you know, I, I, I really did not expect coming into the season. Um, of course, Motley had had his had his moments all Absolutely. throughout the game. Um, but what I thought was just shocking was uh, in looking at the seeds that were released yesterday, seeing Baylor as a number one seed in the South. And that's huge. I mean, I don't think we've ever been a number one seed no, ever. The highest Baylor has ever been in the NCAA tournament was a three seed. Right. And that was a disastrous. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the, both of those three seed years, those are years that Baylor got to the uh, Elite Eight. Oh, well, okay. No, I'm thinking of when we were five-seated and we yeah, got knocked yeah. the, the, off. The last, the last like, two years have been a yeah. little bit different for the NCAA tournament, but I think this team is more well-rounded. I think they're more balanced, and they played much tougher competition this year. I mean, you look at it, uh, you, you look at the metrics. I mean, uh, Baylor right now has the number one RPI. They have the number two strength of schedule. Uh, they are 10-3 and three against top 50 teams. No other team in the country has more than eight wins against a top 50 team, and Baylor has 10. Yeah, it's insane. No doubt that they're that they're a much more balanced team. What what I've been looking at is just the strength of the Big Twelve this year. I mean, look at Kansas oh, yesterday. Yeah, I mean they almost got knocked off by Tech. I was rooting for him. I was enjoying a, a man Mosa yesterday. Uh, at least my, you admit that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, it was um, a, mimo- a man Mosa is just a mimosa in a different glass. Apparently, it was the same thing. Isn't it like with a beer as well? It was delicious. No, no, it's just it's just orange juice and champagne. But oh, okay. it was. I it thought was, a man Mosa added like a. 
like a shock top or something. There, there might be, but this particular establishment, that's, that was the, the man most. I just came in more manly glass, apparently. Um, anyway, Fair so <laughs> no, I, I was rooting for tech yesterday, rooting for the Red Raiders, which is something I never do. But if it was to knock off Kansas, I, I would, I would have been all for it. But they pulled it out and over time with a 1.1 over tech. But I, what it really showed was that the Big 12 is just, um, I think, a, you know, probably the best basketball conference this year. I think it's the deepest. Yeah, for oh, sure. Certainly. I mean, yeah. you've got eight teams that have a legitimate shot at the NCAA tournament. And typically in years past, we would mention Texas Tech and uh, TCU as teams that you can kind of scoff at and you know not really take seriously. So despite the score yesterday, TCU is a much improved team uh, you know, in the Big 12 conference this year. I mean, uh, they've made a commitment to facilities. Uh, it wasn't an easy win for Baylor, but Baylor just came out and flat out dominated. And again, you had mentioned uh, Jonathan Motley and just what he's been doing this year. I mean, he's, he's putting up, a you know, an All-American caliber season, arguably one of the, the greatest players in the Scott Drew era. Just I, I believe he was ranked, what, 130th or something like that coming out of uh, high school. So he's kind of underlooked. But just the development that he's had has been phenomenal. I actually saw an NCAA or I guess an NBA draft projection for this upcoming year, and he was projected to go to the Spurs. That would be just a phenomenal place for him to land. You know, just the development that Popovich has for his players. Oh, absolutely. And I think that the development that Scott Drew, uh, the development program that Scott Drew has in place only uh, makes these good players great as they continue on at Baylor. I just hope that we keep these guys, you know. I mean, we don't right. want to have something like what's, what happens to, like, players at Texas happen to us where they just take off after being on the team for a year or two. Um, you know, if we can keep them there all four years and, uh, you know, keep going in the tournament much better than we have been in the last two years, I mean, that's, that's really what's going to... Um, you know, help Baylor kind of reach the next level. Yeah, it's, it's about having those glue guys. I mean, you look at Ish Wainwright. He's the only senior on this year's team. He made his 86th career. Uh, he played in his 86th career game against TCU, which is tied for seventh most in program history. He's a guy that's not going to put up, you know, 20, 30 points a game, but he's going to get shit done. Uh, and, and, you know, just looking at what he's been able to accomplish this year, uh, it's, it's been phenomenal also to compliment Motley. I mean, Motley... Uh, against TCU, had 25 points. He scored in double figures for the 20th time this season in his eighth game in the row. I mean, just what he's doing on the floor. He's improved his game. He's extended his range from the three-point line. Uh, you know, he can pass the ball. His offensive rebounding has improved so much this year. Uh, just a phenomenal talent. And, uh, you know, Baylor has six games left in the regular season before they head to the Big 12 tournament, NCAA tournament. Can they sustain that one seed line that, you know, the NCAA projected yesterday? I think it all depends on the mentality of the team. I think they're certainly physically capable of it. I don't think there's a talent deficiency, but as one... It's focus, right? Yeah, it's focus. Yeah, it's, it, it comes down to a, to, a, to a mental game. And if Scott, Scott Drew can maintain the momentum that the team has right now, I think that there's no reason why they can't knock off Kansas. Um, but as we saw earlier, they kind of get... If they get overconfident... I mean, we were ranked number one for what? You know, like a week or something? And it was just not... Week, <laughs> it was like a, a day after we, we got that ranking that we, we fell to West Virginia. So I think as long as this team maintains its focus and doesn't pay attention to what's going on outside the court, then I, I think there's no reason why we can't win it. Yeah, big games this week. Uh, Baylor on the road at Texas Tech. Lubbock is not an easy place to, you know, to play, as we saw. Uh, Kansas just squeaking out a win, 80-79 to 79 there this past weekend. But uh, the big game on you know the calendar is... Kansas on Saturday they come to the Farrell Center in Waco Texas and uh, you know we had mentioned the NCAA's top 16 seeds uh, Villanova's number one I don't have a problem with that uh, Kansas number two Baylor number three Gonzaga which is undefeated right now is at number four so all four of those if the NCAA started today 
would be one seeds. And the fact that we have both Kansas and Baylor projected one seeds playing this weekend, that's a marquee game. Absolutely. I, I think I remember hearing that the game is already sold out. So probably not something it's been I'll be sold able out to, for months. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's probably, yeah, it's going to be one of those uh, championships within the regular season. I think, uh, and the, the Bears have to bring it. If they're going to prove that they're ready, I think for the tournament and ready to go all the way uh, to the Elite Eight, the Final Four this year, I think that we've really got to mop up Kansas at home. I mean, in Lawrence, it was hard, um, but they've really You're playing got to, eight against five. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, and, and when you look at the other teams in that projected seed list, uh, you look at Louisville, who Baylor was down by more than 20 points in that game in the Bahamas, coming back and win. They are the seven seed overall. Uh, Oregon, who, uh, you know, Baylor beat to start the season is the eight. So you look at the teams in that top 16 projections. Uh, they're going to play Kansas twice, already beat Louisville, already beat Oregon. You got stomped on the road in West Virginia, but you get the chance to do, you know, face the Mountaineers at your home venue. Uh, but a lot of fun those last six games heading into the Big 12 tournament. Are you surprised to not see more SEC teams in that lineup? No. Yeah. SEC is just terrible at basketball. I know. I was I mean, watching out, their- outside of Kentucky. It's. I mean, Florida is having a better year this year. But I was about to say, I mean, it's, I'm, it's I'm a, sort of surprised that they're there. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe it's maybe a three or four bid league. And, uh, and you know, kind of surprising to me is also, um, you know, the Big Ten. There aren't many Big Ten teams this year that are having standout seasons. No, no, and, not at all. And I, I think that that, that speaks to um, even though the Big 12 is arguably in a weaker position, as a conference, as a football think, conference, yeah, as a football conference, I think that when you look at other sports, it's more well-rounded than some of the other conferences. I mean, out you there. look at college baseball. Last year, you had three teams in the College World Series from the Big Twelve, right? And so, I, I think from an athletic perspective, here's the thing: the last few years, the Big Twelve has been the number one RPI league in basketball. They have to prove it this year. I think you need one, possibly two teams to get to that Final Four. Of course, Oklahoma got to the Final Four uh, last year here at Energy Stadium in Houston, uh, but it got blown out in that game. Is that both in men's and women's? Uh, I, I'm looking at the revenue sports. Oh, gotcha. Um, you know, right. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think women's basketball, It's it, I think it's UConn and everybody else. Sure. Um, I, I don't know that there's huge expectations on the women's side. I think the women's side, it's Final Four, get there. That's a, that's a, you know, a successful season. Uh, they're all playing for second place. I mean, UConn is the behemoth when it comes to women's basketball. But on the men's side, I think you need to have two or three teams like a Baylor, like a West Virginia, like a Kansas, get to that Elite Eight and make a run on that second weekend. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. What, but what I, I just think is shocking is, you know, how the, the shift of the sports world is so college football centric. And we tend to forget that college basketball and even college baseball still have uh, a huge impact. And when we are evaluating these leagues and kind of look or these conferences and sort of look at what makes a conference great, you have to factor in those two other sports. Uh, into that equation, and I, I just I'm, I'm impressed by the by the showing the Big Twelve this year, and I I, I think it's probably the hardest conference to play in I, at the I'd, moment. I'd absolutely agree with you, but I think that's a nice segue to our our next topic is overall, you know, what makes the conference money is football, right? And this past week, the Big Twelve uh, announced that they were going to withhold 25 percent of funds, I guess payouts, to Baylor University until they could essentially pass an audit. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, it's all stemming from, you know, the Art Bryles scandal, the rape scandal at Baylor. But is this a little is this too little too late? Or do you think the penalty, if you want to call it, is the correct move? Yeah. So the conference met in secret, apparently, and of course, did not include Baylor in that vote. 
Um, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm, I'm, my, my gut reaction is that this was in response to the document dump here from the Browse lawsuit that was withdrawn here back on the 1st, I believe. Right. And so after that, the university released a series of text messages that is pretty much the smoking gun and puts the nail in the coffin to anybody who would still defend Browse and his tenure as head coach. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they're bringing down some sort of action, but I think like a lot of Baylor fans and maybe people who just study these sorts of situations, you know, whether it be at Penn State or elsewhere, um, is the NCAA going to do anything? And I think that's sort of the question that I have is if are they going to take any action against Baylor? But is, I, I think the, the 25% withholding that uh, the Big 12 is going to keep from Baylor is contingent upon them implementing the 109 recommendations uh, from Pepper Hamilton. Right. right, And and if it's independently verified. So my my sense is that they'll probably get that money back. Uh, Who who knows when. It's going to be put in escrow accounts. Right, right, right. It's not not going away. It's not like getting distributed to the rest of the conference. It's just they're holding it. And so um, it's disappointing. But at the same time, like, I'm just ready for this to be over. I'm I'm so ready to never have to hear about our brows again. I don't, you know, I'm I'm excited about Matt Rule and what he's doing. But it's, um, I, I just, I hate hearing about it. And I think most other fans in the conference are as well, right? It doesn't, I mean, it's not good attention for the Big 12. It's not good attention for college football. And it just seems like it's, it's clickbait fodder right now for journalists who don't have a whole lot to write about. I, I'm kind of curious from your perspective. David Boren, who is kind of the man behind all this, he has his own problems at Oklahoma. I mean, there was a report this week on Joe Mixon saying that, uh, you know, apparently Mixon assaulted another woman in high school. And it was swept under the rug because he was a star athlete. And then there was a 60-minute video interview with uh, the victim of, you know, the violence that we saw in Norman a few years ago. Uh, I I believe she said that uh, earlier in the night she was trying to avoid the sexual advances from Joe Mixon. So we have all these issues going on with Oklahoma, bringing in questionable players. Uh, you know, Doyle Green Beckham, who was kicked out of Missouri. Um, is it hypocritical for Boren to be leading the charge against Baylor? Or do you think there's some sort of ulterior motive, perhaps, you know, wanting to force Baylor out of the Big 12 and, and maybe bring in a different school like, I don't know, U of H or something like that? I don't know. That that I mean, gosh, that's that's quite a bit of speculation. I I don't know. It's far fetched. It, it is. Um, you know, I don't. My, my sense when I read articles about what's going on within the Big Twelve, I don't see Oklahoma as the guy with the hatchet as much as Texas. And um, Texas seems to sort of get, uh, you know, the Big Twelve commissioner Bullsby kind of to do whatever they want. And, and Texas hired a coach, a former Art Briles assistant. I mean, right. Is, right. is that not hypocritical? A little bit, a little bit. And it sort of speaks to the sort of incestuous nature of college football. I mean, you know, there are people that when Matt Rule was hired, linked him back to Penn State. You know, I mean, they're, right. they're, I mean, they're all, everyone sort of worked for everyone in some way, in some fashion or another, you know, at some point. <laughs> so it, it's kind of hard to avoid somebody who's never had contact with a controversial figure. Um, and so it's, it's just the way college football is. But do I think it's hypocritical? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, 
I, I look at this from the Big 12's perspective. It's like if they had done nothing, would they then be on, be on the chopping block for, well, you had all these text messages that just came out. Are you going to do anything, right? Because that, that's sort of the drumbeat of the media right now is, you know, are you going to do anything about this, this new revelation that our browse was, in fact, knowledgeable about what was happening and actively tried to cover it up? So I, I sort of look at what they did, and I, I think it could be worse for Baylor. I think, I, honestly, they should be counting their blessings right now. Um, but is it hypocritical? Yeah, sure. But I see why they did what they did. Right. And uh, it's one thing to note that Baylor next year for college football in the 2017 season is going to play Liberty University. And typically you would ask, what is Liberty University? I mean, it's known as like Jerry Falwell's you know, pet project. Uh, but Ian McCall just a few months after being let go at Baylor is the athletic director at Liberty. I'm shocked still that he's he's employed there. And that's going to be a storyline to start the season. Right. McCall well, coming back to Waco. Right. Well, him coming back to Waco. And not only that, but I mean, do does here's my question for, you know, if, if you happen to know someone who went to Liberty or if you yourself went to Liberty, are you okay with this guy? I mean, assuming that he knew what Browse knew, even half of what Browse knew, are you okay with this guy being your AD? I'm not. I yeah, I wouldn't be either. But I, mean, I think that shows that Liberty just wants to win above all else. And they're trying to get to that powerhouse level. Sure. Of college athletics and to me the the thing that bothers me is there was a statement actually released from tom brandt who uh, i guess is mccaw's attorney uh, following all the text messages that were dumped last week and it said that mr mccaw has faced with a complex situation wherein he desired to honor the wishes of the alleged victim who was unwilling to speak to the police according to her coach and a request from her coach for guidance as to where he should go for the information he obtained in 2013 about the incident quote mr mccaw's responsibly Mr. McCaw responsibly directed the head coach of the Office of Judicial Affairs, which handles student conduct matters and was the appropriate venue to take such an allegation. That seems like tone deaf to me. I mean, we clearly saw, you know, McCaw's text message to Bryles saying, quote, it would be great if Waco police could keep this quiet about a player's arrest. I mean, sure. And this is just what we're seeing, by the way. I mean, this is probably not the worst of it. Um, but who knows? I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd certainly, if I was at Liberty right now working in the, in the athletic department or the administration, I'd take a hard second look at Ian McCall as your AD. And that's just coming from someone who um, was there uh, really shortly after he was hired and kind of seeing him work and uh, knowing what he knew. Like he had to know it's more disturbing. than he's letting on. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but speaking of former Baylor employees that are getting new jobs, uh, Ken Starr is allegedly being looked at a position in the Trump administration. Yeah. How do you it's feel kinda, about that? What, what is the job title? I, I saw something on, on social media this week, but what is it like religious liberties or? So, so I don't know. It's some, some, some like sort of non position. I, I think it's probably more of a, a consultant position than anything. Uh, I, I actually don't have the specific one in front of me, but here, here, here begs the question. Does Ken Starr, I mean, he was arguably on his way out of Baylor oh, yeah. when all of this broke. I mean, I've heard rumors about Starr being on his way out dating back to what, 2013, 2014? Right. He had a lot of conflicts with the board. Um, and I think that this this uh, moment with Bryles and McCaw and the whole scandal was sort of just an opportunity for the board to get rid of him. But I also think that he probably did mishandle quite a, be- quite a few things as president, which sort of merited him leaving the way that he did. But my question, I think, for anyone... 
who might be following the Trump administration right now is this is a good idea to hire a guy with that sort of record. But I think that's the least of the Trump supporters problems right now. But really quickly, before we move on to like Donald Trump and more on Ken Starr, we don't talk a lot about Baylor on the podcast. And I mean, both you and I enjoy discussing Baylor athletics, what's going on with the university, but there's some other good podcasts out there that discuss Baylor on a more frequent basis. And uh, you can check them out on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. Just check out uh, Bear Droppings, which is a relatively new uh, podcast. I believe they released their seventh or eighth episode this past week. Uh, Sikkim 365 Daily with Western Rogers. They have a great podcast. Uh, Matt Mosley, who we've had on as a guest in the past, is also a frequent contributor to that uh, podcast as well. And also Our Daily Bears, uh, you know, a great fan website on the SB Nation has a podcast called Our Daily Podcast. Highly recommend checking that out. But yeah, Ken Starr, that to me doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's the uh, he would be allegedly appointed to the uh, ambassador at large of the Office of International Religious Freedom, which, you know, I suppose that's right up his alley. But yeah, it's it's just hilarious. So no, speaking of the Trump administration, they've arguably had a rocky start here. Uh, the think? first, yeah, the first uh, few weeks of his administration, um, you know, the, the media is admittedly putting on the hurt. They don't like Trump. Trump doesn't like them. That makes sense. But it seems like from an objective perspective, his administration is sort of misstepping here and there. What is your take on that so far? Gosh, I couldn't think of. I, I was actually watching Saturday Night Live uh, just a few moments ago. And uh, I don't know if you saw it this week, but they were, you know, discussing uh, Alec Baldwin was was hosting. I believe it was the 17th time to host. And of course, he had a um, a Trump skit and uh, it, it took place in the people's court. And it was he was trying to get the uh, the Ninth Circuit's ruling on the, uh, you know, the Muslim ban overturned. And he, he took it to the people's court and it was one of his character witnesses was uh, Vladimir Putin. But uh, one of the comments that stuck out to me during that sketch was the judge mentioned i just want to get through one day without getting a breaking news alert for something dumb that you did on my phone and it just seems like every single day there's some controversy going on within the trump administration whether it's kellyanne conway opening up her mouth about you know endorsing ivanka trump's you know ivanka trump definitely doesn't like having her name thrown into that i mean i i I don't know it yeah, there, there this, are a couple. This of, is what you voted for. Well, I mean, I mean so, this is this is what you know. He won the electoral college. I didn't vote for the guy. It's exactly I what I thought would happen. You know, it's it's funny. There there are a lot of uh, places where you can place blame. Uh, Reince Priebus is one of the guys that's sort of being ID'd right now as sort of the problem, quote unquote, because he doesn't understand how federal agencies work. But I think that that's probably blaming him as a, as scapegoating. Um, part of this is of course the media circus around trump they don't like him so any story that could possibly be spent in a negative way they're going to do it i mean they sort of act like he's trying to usher in this autocracy that's going to repress women and minorities but the reality is i mean he's he's the president just like any other his term will be four years unless he gets reelected then it'll be eight i mean this is just this is what happens when the media doesn't like who's serving the White House. I can remember some of the hyperbolic craziness that surrounded the George W. Bush administration. And the media would love to have George W. Bush. Oh my gosh! Of course, we will because he because he laid over and he he just his administration never responded to criticism at least half of the way that that Trump's does. But um, I you know I I think that the the quote unquote Muslim ban, which is that's not really an accurate term, but. I think that some of the missteps he's had um, are partly, you know, I mean, communication breakdowns. Yeah, they're communication well. breakdowns. And let, let's not forget that the that 
that case right now at the Ninth Circuit. They're the most overturned yeah, it's circuit something court. Like 65, yeah, it's like seventy percent of their decisions get overturned. So it would not surprise me if this did, in fact, go to the Supreme Court. But, and get but here's overturned. the deal. Here's the deal. You only have eight justices right now. That's so true. It's likely yeah. to be a split vote, which goes back to the Ninth Circuit. Exactly. So what what I, I think will probably happen. I mean, if you're if you're someone uh, who might be affected by this, they're probably just going to rewrite the order. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, here's 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 my question. Um, it does this circus of this because it seems real tense right now. You know, you like I, I've honestly sort of stayed off social media. I just I don't care to see any like uh, you know, at some point I just can't take it. <laughs> so I just don't pay attention as much as I used to. Is it? Are people just going to tune out at some point and just not care? I don't think so. Yeah? I think that there's a vocal contingency in the United States that is so dissatisfied and is going to protest, speak out until Trump resigns. But I don't I don't know that Trump's going to resign. I think the big issues moving forward, to me, are from a foreign policy perspective. You had Iran uh, launch a, uh, you know, a missile what was it days after the inauguration or right before it was right around the inauguration something like that and then yeah. north korea, and then north just korea on one, saturday yeah. uh you know tested a uh you know a short range um you know ballistic missile uh, that landed in the uh what was it the sea of japan while trump was meeting with prime minister shinzo abe who is the uh, of course prime minister of japan i think that to me is going to be the key element because it, it shows to me that Iran and North Korea right now don't respect Trump. Yeah. Well, I, I actually foreign policy is one area where I think he's actually not doing as bad as he could be. He was seen high fiving Prime Minister Abe the other day on the golf course. So I, I think that things might be going OK for him. I, reportedly, things have been uh, pretty going pretty well between them. But yeah, J- Japan is right there next to North Korea. They have a vested interest in things not getting crazy right now. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, you will be going to Japan in not too long. So you also have a vested interest in things settling down. Yeah, so I'll actually be going to Japan uh, March 22nd. Uh, is when I be, I'll, I'll be leaving, going to uh, Tokyo, Kyoto, and then Okinawa as well. But yeah, definitely looking forward to that. But yeah, just so much going on out of the world. And I think, you know, it's only been, what, you know, not even a month for Trump's administration. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, going to be good fodder for us going oh. back and forth. On oh, the yeah, absolutely. I, if, if you want my official stance, I'm, I'm still giving his administration a chance. I'm going to give them 100 days, see what they do, kind of look at the media narrative. <laughs> I, I, I'm still going to give them a chance. There's some people who are completely shut down already. And they're getting, they're going to the Daily Show and SNL for their news, but I'm I'm still giving them a chance to 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 do some good. I I think you know look look at James Mattis. I mean I look at that guy. I look at some of their appointments, and I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing. But yeah, you're right. I mean he's he's obviously a novice. He can't run the government like a business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So well, we're going to be tweeting about it. You know, what stuff happens. And if you want to follow us on social media, you know, check us out at Weekly Brewcast. Just search Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We post stuff there each week. Um, also, if you want to follow us on um, our personal so- social media pages, you can look at my Twitter account, which is at Staten. Also, uh, Jeremy can be found at at FiestaBear08. But uh, we didn't have Kevin this week. And so if you want to you know, wish him well, go to uh, iTunes and uh, leave a review telling Kevin that you're thinking about him and want him back on next week's podcast. But uh, Jeremy, we got to discuss a little bit of Baylor, a little bit of basketball, uh, you know, Ken Starr. Uh, Donald Trump. I mean, I don't know how many podcasts actually do that in you know the country. I know we kind of cover everything here uh, at the Voice of Houston. 
it's been fun. Yeah, it has, it has been. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been kind of kind of empty, kind of quiet. You know, not as uh, it hasn't been as verbose. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been kind of a <laughs> quiet it, it, day. It's, it's you know, uh, it's been under an hour, under thirty minutes, which has been a lot of fun. But uh, I've enjoyed going back and forth with you, and we'll have Kevin on next week, and also we'll have a few uh, additional guests on next week's show as well. But episode eighty-one is in the books, and Jeremy, it's been a lot of fun. All right, so on behalf of my co-host this week, Jeremy Paxton, my name is Austin Statton, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 